This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in. It's the Black and Blue Report podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I am Sean Kelly, and yes, today at Osher Sports Performance Center, it is uh, a Wednesday edition. And from Studio B, we'll have David Wesley today, a Wesley Wednesday, to talk about Pelicans and Warriors and all things NBA playoffs. We now know this, Saturday night at 9.30 Central will be Game 1 between the Pelicans and the Warriors. We're very excited about that. Unfortunately, we know nothing beyond that. <laughs> I think we're going to have to wait for the other games tonight on this Wednesday uh, to figure out games two, three, so on and so on. So, But at least we know game one. At least we for sure now it's the Warriors, and we'll be excited to talk to David Wesley about that today. Uh, the Pelicans are back on the practice floor today, and uh, we'll also be uh, talking to Alvin Gentry and the players. You'll find that at pelicans.com. Uh, on this Wednesday, too, before it looks like travel tomorrow for the basketball team. Oh, by the way, the NFL draft is tomorrow. That's the other big exciting news here in our building this week. Uh, we're right there now, and uh, we'll continue prepping for the draft from a Saints angle. Mike Triple from ESPN.com stops by today. Daniel Salerson will speak with him and uh, pick Mike's brain about that. And uh, so isn't that a, not enough for you? <laughs> We've got a lot to cover today. That's for sure. Uh, don't forget, obviously, the Saints are scheduled to pick 27th right now in the first round. Um, yesterday, head coach Sean Payton spoke after a round of golf at TPC Louisiana. He did still express some of the things I think we kind of figured already. Um, someone to go get the passer, uh, perhaps a tight end need, some depth on the offensive line. All those things still in play for the New Orleans Saints. Coach was somewhat candid yesterday about um, – of what, what the Saints may or my, may not do. I don't think he spoke too directly to the trade possibility. You know, do you move up? Do you move back? All those things I think will have to play out. And I'll be real curious to see what shakes loose between, let's say, 10 and 20. I think, I think, I think everybody's got a pretty good idea of what happens 1 through 10, and then the magic will begin after that. So we'll, we'll be... We'll be on it tomorrow. Don't forget, we've got our draft preview special tomorrow on the OrleansSaints.com, uh, previewing the uh, the Saints draft for this year, and that'll carry us through Saturday. All right, so with that being said, as we mentioned, a lot to cover here today with regard to uh, both the Pelicans' playoff series upcoming against the Warriors and, obviously, the NFL draft. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll start with David Wesley. We'll do a Wesley Wednesday, and then Daniel jumps in with my triplet, and then uh, a last final note for you before we end here on today's Black and Blue Report. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Guess what day it is? Hump day! Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. 
David has arrived for Wesley Wednesday in studio today here at the Osher Sports Performance Center. How in do? The building. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Um, we're still working here. Yes. It, <laughs> this is bonus coverage. Yes, this is. We have not had David on in a Wednesday at this portion of April in some time. So this Ever? is all good. It's exciting, too. Yes. I can't go anywhere, David, without somebody asking about the Pelicans or, or it's a, hey, go get them on saturday or whatever it's it really truly is pretty special around here it, it is fun uh my daughter uh does cheer so i'm at a cheer competition and i'm having people you know come up to me just like you and everywhere i go around the city uh same thing the excitement the buzz uh every fan is is locked in and uh you know asking me when's the next game i don't know until golden state finishes what they do well golden state has finished now we know it's Saturday. <laughs> How crazy was it on Sunday to look at the brackets and see only one team had advanced to the second round, and it's yours. It says New Orleans there on that next line. Well, and, and two, when, when you see that New Orleans is the only team that advanced, you're also going to look at teams or, or one and two, which is Golden State and the Rockets, and they didn't sweep. So um, interesting uh, and certainly uh, something to look at going forward. But um, these Pelicans, they, they, have, they have made this city really, really proud. What's made you most proud about the way they've played here recently? I, the consistency at which level they played. I, I thought uh, over the last nine games, they have played some really, really good basketball on both ends of the floor. I think defensively has made all the difference. And if they can continue to play that kind of defense – um, it's going to give them a chance in each and every game in whatever series they make it to. You know Anthony Davis. You know his abilities. You've seen him basically almost, what, every game of his career almost. Yes. yes. Um, did he meet your expectations, exceed them in the, in, in the postseason sense? Look, we all know that everybody's name is made really in the postseason and the knock on him was, well, you know, it's great during the regular season, but what would you do with a postseason opportunity? How did he do? I, I think he did fabulous. I, I think he was every bit of what you would hope for. You know, when you see the superstars go into the playoffs, this is your team, this is the team you follow, this is the team you're a fan of, you want your superstars to be super. I thought he was super. And, uh, you know, you see in baseball where the superstar in the playoffs – can't get a hit, can't get a home run. I thought he got his singles, he got his doubles, he had a couple of home runs, his batting average was good, he came through in the clutch. I think he did everything. Now, is there another level? I think there is. I, wow. I, I think he can even do more. But to me, he's done what he needed to do in the situation. If you need 35, I'll get you 35. If you only need 25, I'll get you 25. The thing I like most about this team, and I'm talking about everybody across the board, they don't get in a way, they don't get in the way of the hot guy. Miritich went for 30. Everybody let him get go get his mm -hmm. 30. Drew Holiday went for 30. Everybody, hey, this helped is the hot him. guy. Helped him get yes, the 30. Yes, I'm right. going to get you the ball. I'm going to find you. I'm going to put you in the right position. And didn't get in the way of his 30 if the 30 turned into 40. The last night, Drew has it going, or the last game, Drew has it going, AD has it going. They both get 40. No one got in the way. No one's out there saying, well, this is my playoff legacy. I got to go out here and play 
and score better. Nope. They did their job on the other end, which allowed Drew and AD to go get monster numbers. Before we talk about the next series, a thought about Rondo. Put that thing, frame that up for me, what Rajon Rondo has, has given this team through the first round. Well, I, I think the experience, the championship pedigree, you could see it. Like, I, you know, those are just words, but you could actually see it in Rondo. Um, his, they talk about this playoff Rondo, and I don't know whether to give it credit or whatever it is. I just know that when it was time to play – his level went up. His level was better. Um, you know, a couple of games in that series, double-figure assists with just two turnovers. So as many chances as he takes and how many exact plays or exact passes he makes, that there's only a small window to get those in. For him to complete those at a rate of, I don't know, I think one game he was eight-and-a-half assists to one turnover mm -hmm. ratio. That's incredible at that level, at, at, at the time that it's needed. Uh, he sets the table and gets guys involved and, and makes it easier for them. And in a playoff series, especially when everybody knows what you're doing, for him to be able to give guys easy layups and get them confident and keep them confident and keep them rolling, I think it's a special talent. A well-meaning analyst um, said this to me the other day. He said – the Pelicans are going about this as if they don't know they're not supposed to sweep a team in the first round. Uh, they don't know that they're the sixth seed. They're playing as if they don't know those things. I actually think they do know. I think they get full well who they are and what possibly they could do. Would you agree with that? I think so because they talk about it. They talk about, oh, it's just one game. You know what? We got the first game on the road. That's just one game. You know what? We're happy that we came and we got two games, but we haven't done anything yet. We won three games, and yeah, you know, that's good, but we still have one more game, and that's the hardest game. I think they're very aware of what's going on. I think they have the right guys in the locker room. They have the guys that's been there before. Their coaching has been excellent. Their defense has been excellent. And the only way that you understand that is to know how you got there. Mm -hmm. How did you win game one and two? Well, they did the same thing in game three and four. The levels varied just a little bit, which is hard to play at a very, very high level every single game, but their level was good enough. So um, I think they're very aware. I think they know exactly what, what's at stake and what's ahead of them. And to their credit, they've handled it really well. Okay, my friend, now you get the defending world champs. Congratulations on your first-round sweep of the Trailblazers. Here's Golden State. A little payback, yeah. wouldn't you say? Oh, sure, but at the same time, just like everything else that's happened to this team, uh, every time they accomplish something, the stakes go a little higher and the challenge is a little greater. So starting Saturday, and that's all we know at this moment, at this hour, as game one will be Saturday night, you begin this semifinal round against the Golden State Warriors. Give me your, I guess, your first take, your first thoughts on what this matchup will look like. Okay, my, my first thought is the difference in the two teams, Portland and Golden State. Portland, last in assists, very little ball movement. If you can guard the ball, you can pretty much dictate what's going to happen from, from possession to possession. Now you got a team that has the most passes per game, most assists per game. When you now have that, now it's a different kind of defense. 
Portland. It's one-on-one. Help shrink. Make somebody else shoot the basketball. This one is help shrink but not too much because you got to get to three-point shooters. Be aware of cuts. Uh, a lot of movement. A lot of different players moving. And everybody has to be on a string and be aware. So that's going to be the first problem that they have to deal with. Not that they don't know. But this team has been playing with confidence. You talk about the stakes have gone up. Well, this team finished with the stakes really high. We got to win four out of five. Well, we won all five. Uh, We have to win. And when I say we, they, we have to win on the road. Well, they won two on the road to put themselves in position to come home and close out the series. So to me, the stakes have been high. To me, they've been playing playoff basketball for the last nine games, not the last four. And they've had some close ones towards the end of the, the regular season. And they've stepped up and won those. Plus, in the back of their head, a little feather in their cap, they just went to Golden State and won a game, which tells them we can. We have to do X, Y, Z, but we can go to Golden State and get one. That's got to be good confidence for them going in. What do you want to do with the Stephen Curry storyline? He'll be reevaluated on Friday. Well, as we joke all the time, the luck of the Pelicans is he will be just fine and he'll be awesome. So as <laughs> just in time, just in time. Yes. And, and, and like when, like a lot of times in a golf, uh, golf match, when they're playing head to head and, you know, you hear the announcers always say, you have to expect your opponent to make this putt or make this shot. Well, I think the Pelicans have to go into this series thinking, they're full strength. We have to bring our best. If Curry doesn't play, there's no, there's no mindset change. You're going in there thinking, Curry's playing, he's going to play great, and we have to find a way to slow him down, Clay down, and Durant down. Whatever that takes, however that has to happen, we have to figure out to do that the best we can. And therefore, you don't have to, to, to back off or, or you know, ratchet it up because, oh, Curry's playing. Okay. Let's piggyback off that. And if you don't want to work off the premise I'm about to give you, just say so. Okay. Here's the premise. No one has an answer for Steph Curry. Not the Pelicans, not anybody. Right. At the same time, no one really has an answer for Anthony Davis. So each team has a problem for the other that is far and away unsolvable at this point. Mm-hmm. So that if you want to work into that premise with me, then what's the challenge then? for each side going to the series. Who then do you have to either take out? Is it a bench thing? What, what is it in your eyes beyond those two? Okay, first of all, you need individuals that are committed to the defensive end. You can't go into a basketball game thinking there's no answer. You have to go into the game, I, I'm a figure something. I'm a try to figure something out. Well, whether it happens is another thing, but you're giving maximum effort. And if you can get Steph Curry to be inefficient, yeah, you're not going to stop him. He's still going to end up with 25. But how did he get that 25? Is he shooting 10 free throws? Not good. Is he, you know, 10 for 15? Not good. He's got to be 10 for 30. He's got to be 10 for 35. He's got to, you got to make him work on every possession, as they do with Anthony Davis. And then, of course, the, the thing that they've had, the Golden State Warriors, is depth. You can't just ignore 
other guys because they're very good. They're not they're not defending champs by mistake. They know how to play and they know how to play in the playoffs in series. So you just got to be locked in. The game plan that this coaching staff comes up with and they all know what's at stake. You have two coaches that have coached there. They know the players. They're going to make up something. But of course, even the coaching staff has we just played them 3 weeks ago. We have to we have something that we can go to. Now, um, I think uh, this is going to be a tough series. I think it's going to be a fun series. And just as they, just as the Pelicans have to guard Golden State, the Pelicans have some issues. They have some issues that the, Pel- the, the Golden State Warriors have to deal with. How do you stop Anthony Davis? How do you stop Drew Holiday? What are you doing with Rondo? Are you letting him penetrate? Are you letting him get all the way to the basket? And Rondo's hit some timely threes. Yes, yes. So, and Meritage, what are you you going to shrink the floor or are you going to guard him? So the Pelicans may not be as deep, but they're capable of playing to that level to go into Golden State and get a playoff win, uh, whether it be one or two. Long series or short series? I want to ask you to pick who wins or loses. Are we looking at the last time those two teams met in the postseason, or are we looking at more of a grind here, a Dem- long haul? Definitely more of a grind. Okay. This will not be a sweep. This will not be um, – and sweep either way would blow my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be Pelican sweep or, or Warrior sweep would blow my mind. So it's going to be a longer series, and um, I think six or seven games. Okay, okay. Uh, before I let you go, because I won't see you again until in this format, till next Wednesday. Right. So all of round one will have wrapped up, obviously, by then. Any other headlines – David Wesley headlines from the rest of the NBA playoffs. What has struck you about round one? Uh, struck me, will Cleveland get out of the first round? Okay, fair. Uh, which is, wow. Um, Oklahoma City, uh, which they have the three-headed monster that basically has been the same in the playoffs. Inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. Um the other series are pretty much, you know, I, I didn't think Houston would lose a game, but they did. Um, kudos to, to Minnesota playing hard. I, I didn't think they had enough. And with Butler just coming back, um, they got a game. Great for them. Uh, Toronto. Toronto. Got the hands full of the Wiz now, don't they? Man, they got their hands full. <laughs> and, and you know what? And Toronto has to win this next game. I mean – they don't win this next game and have to go into Washington and, and survive when everybody's starting to like lean. All right. Is this a new Toronto playoff team or is this the same one we've been seeing? They have a lot at stake um, as well as, you know, and, and then I go to the Boston series where, you know, Boston is just, just keeps throwing guys out there that are finding a way to get it done, which is pretty impressive. Um, so, um, you know, that's that's pretty much the coverage I have, and it's been some fun games to watch. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think there's still quite a bit to be figured out this week. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> a whole other show, we'll talk about the Philadelphia thing. That just drives me nuts. Oh, man, I didn't even talk about Philadelphia. That's okay. That's okay. What, I, what a great story that is, by the way. No, why? I don't know. Oh, come I, on. I, now we, we're going to run out of time. but I know. I, I'm sorry. It's a great story. Okay, it, no, look. Well, just can we yeah, we'll just be for quick. a second? Yeah, be right. quick. I don't want to get excited about a team that just basically – said, we're literally tanking this thing for five years 
Oh, now we're going to... Oh, oh, look at Philadelphia. Look what they've done. No, do we want that for the league? No. Absolutely not. But, real quick, you can't deny what the talent is on that floor and their style of play and how fun it is to watch. Okay, yeah, Forget sorry. what happened before. This year, right now, watching this team, basically first playoff look, go out and play so well. Period. Forget everything else. I'm just on right now what I'm seeing. Embiid, fun to watch. Simmons, fun to watch. That team is fun to watch. J.J. Reddick. I mean, all those guys playing at that level. I mean, uh, it's been good playoff basketball. Yes. Ten wins two years ago. Second round now. I, 28 last yeah, year. Okay. Yeah, I get yeah, right. it. But I get it. I get it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm sour. Yeah, how they it. got there. It, yeah. No one is like, woohoo. But. You know what? If they hadn't done that and they were right now, that's how I'm looking at it. This team right here, I like it. I'm just, I'm get off my lawn, guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know. know. I, and just, I'm not far from that. No, I, I know, just. I mean, guy walked on the curb and I was throwing rocks at him. Hey, so hey, 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 what are you doing over there? That's awfully close. Yeah. I get it. I get it. All right. Uh, game one Saturday. Let's enjoy this. Yes, this is going to be fun. Absolutely. David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Of course, all of you know that tomorrow the NFL draft is set in Dallas, Texas, with the Pelicans sitting there at pick number 27. Joining me now to talk about the Saints and some Pelicans basketball, Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN.com. Mike, should I just say you cover New Orleans for ESPN.com? Because you've been doing some Pelicans here recently. I cover all dominant playoff teams in New Orleans, so the Pelicans are now, uh, now now under that umbrella. I liked how you phrased that, and how has it been like since uh, you've been mostly on the football front for this whole season, covering the Pelicans and being in that arena for games three and four? What was that like for you? Well, look, uh, I'll admit, uh, as a media member, I, I'm hopping on the bandwagon, and uh, you know, I, I, I assume some of the fans are probably in the same boat as me. They were waiting for a reason to come out. But when you, you know, I think Alvin Gentry said, uh, said something to this effect, you know, you win and the fans will come. I mean, no question. If you're going to put a big time playoff game, a chance to clinch a series, uh, and the way these guys are playing, there's plenty of fans in New Orleans who will come out and produce that kind of atmosphere. So, uh, uh, you know, Gentry even said it was the same way when he was, with the Warriors a few years ago. I mean, you know, I know it's probably hard to maintain that interest for 81 uh, home games when you're not winning, but when you've got a playoff basketball game, man, that that's as intense an atmosphere as, as you can get. Yeah, and it sure showed in game number four with the chippiness that happened between the Blazers and the Pelicans. Uh, I think a lot of people were a little bit surprised about the Pelicans winning this series. I was not just based on how even these two teams matched up in the regular season, but were you surprised as far as how they did it? They took the two road games and then just dominating at home throughout uh, most of the series. 
Well, obviously, I was surprised by the dominance. I mean, my experience with the NBA is that it's the most, you know, every time I ever watch an NBA game or cover an NBA game, I feel like there's always back and forth and there's lead changes. Uh, the Pelicans pretty much loved every minute that we were in New Orleans watching them play. Um, it was so thorough, and to take a, uh, you know, a star like Damian Lillard completely out of his game four straight times, even when they tried to adjust, was uh, was really, really remarkable. I mean, what an example of peaking at the right time. Does this take you back to whether it's 07, 08, or 08, or 09, just the fact that the Saints, you know, at that time winning the Super Bowl and the Pelicans or then the Hornets being in the playoffs? Does this kind of take you back to that time where the Saints had a huge run last year in the NFL playoffs and then now the Pelicans that this city has had two successful pro teams? Well, I mean, there is a good comparison to the 09 Saints because they were – you always saw the potential in them, but it was two straight losing seasons before the floodgates just broke open. I mean, it went from missing the playoffs to starting 13-0. and um, And, you know, it's an, obviously a small sample size with the Pelicans, but what is it? I mean, it's nine straight games now um, yeah. in a very meaningful time on the schedule. Um, it's that, that concept of the floodgates opening, you know, once the team starts tapping into its potential is definitely reminiscent. All right. Let's put your saints hat on as the bell or the saints. I should say, I got to put my saints hat on as the saints get ready for the NFL draft. Um, what are the biggest needs? I know they tackled some of the stuff in free agency, but what are some of the biggest needs you think the saints need to fill tomorrow night? I still think if they, you know, I mean, look, we talk about needs all the time, and that's not how the draft works. They're going to take the guy with the highest contract on their board, uh, no matter what position he plays. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a perfect world, I think the best thing they could find would be an edge rusher or any real dynamic presence in that front seven. I think they could use one more guy, whether it's a defensive tackle, an outside linebacker, a defensive end, who can put pressure on the quarterback and, and you know, chase down. Um, you know, some of the athletes we see in football today uh, from sideline to sideline um, and, and slow down teams who have their own version of Alvin Kamara. Like, I, I think their front seven could still use one more lights out guy like that. Um, or obviously on the flip side, someone can catch the ball uh, at tight end or even receiver. I would list those all as the, the top needs. But, you know, it's going to be exactly like last year when they had the 32nd pick and Ryan Ramchek was one of their top 15 graded players. It could be an interior lineman if something like that happens again. If they're in a situation like last year where they actually want to move up and try to get a player that's high on their board that is still available there at 27 or maybe a little earlier, with how many picks they have, I guess, later on as far as 5, 6, and 7, they don't have a pick in the second round. But can you see the Saints trading up possibly on Thursday night? I can see them trading up only because we've seen it so many times before. I mean, it's sort of Mickey Lewis and Sean Payton's M.O. Uh, to trade up when they love a guy. Um, but this does not feel like the year to do it because they just don't have the ammo. Uh, they don't have the second-round pick. So, you know, to even move up to, like, number 20, they'd have to give up their third-rounder. Um, you're going to have to really love a guy to, to – you know, to make him your only pick in the first three rounds of the draft or to give up, uh, you know, one of next year's picks. Um, you know, and obviously there's some quarterback intrigue always with the Saints, but I think the top four quarterbacks in this year's class are going to go way, way, way out of the range where they can't get up there. Um, and, 
you know, maybe some Lamar Jackson intrigue if he falls and they like him, but a, a lot of ifs there. I think it would take a perfect storm for them, for them to end up in the quarterback business in round one this year. I want to get to the quarterbacks in just a second, but I want to flip the switch too. I know it's just easy to say, yes, they can either trade back or they can trade up, but is trading back even a reasonable possibility just for the fact that they maybe could acquire more picks to get some ammo if they find out that someone that they've graded they can still obtain there, maybe going later in the first round or early second? Yeah, no, that's the exact opposite answer. Their <laughs> history says no. Yeah. They've never <laughs> traded back in round one. But if there is ever a year to trade back, it would be this year because they don't have the second rounder. I, I you know, I think – I think this would be a year where it would make a lot of sense to move back 15 spots and try to pick up that, that extra day two pick um, that they don't have this year. Uh, but really, it always comes down to what the board looks like at the time. It's not something they would ever have a preconceived plan going into the draft. If they have one guy who's you know 15th on their board and he's still there at 27, they're going to take him. If they have five or six guys who are all evenly graded and they feel like they'll get one of those five or six by moving back. That's when, that's when a team would move back. All right. I think I've countered all the uh, trade possibilities here. So we'll move on from trading up or down, but I did want to talk about the quarterback situation, as you mentioned with potentially maybe five or six quarterbacks going in the first round. How much does this help the saints as far as maybe getting a guy that they thought maybe wouldn't last this long, but because of the quarterbacks and the demand that someone could fall to them that maybe they thought was graded in the top 15 or 20. Yeah, it's not good if they wanted one of those quarterbacks. I have a feeling a lot of teams are going to be moving up and, and those guys are going to fly off the board in the top 10. But um, uh, I think that's obviously a good thing. We certainly saw them as the beneficiaries last year of that kind of unexpected run on wide receivers that allowed Marshawn Lattimore to fall all the way to number 11, even though nobody mocked that up and nobody projected that. So if if uh, if you're looking for a player who's going to help right away, um, then yeah, in theory, five of the five of the 26 picks ahead of you are going to be quarterbacks. That means you're going to get your choice of, uh, of probably a top 29 quarterback. I know this might not be a fair question, just given there's so many players in this draft, but are there any potential sleepers that – maybe the Saints could see in that third or fourth round, sort of like what how Alvin Kamara dropped to the third. Is there anyone out there that maybe Saints fans or even just the NFL in general fans should look out for as far as a guy that may fall that far but could have as big of an impact as Kamara did last year for the Saints? Well, it's funny because my answer is going to be, I you know, I have no idea who they would like right. as a sleeper in the middle rounds, but last year I probably would have told you Alvin Kamara if you asked me that same question. Uh, there were there were definitely some indications that they really liked him, uh, and you never know for sure what you before the draft. But um, that that was a guy that you know I considered projecting to them with with that forty first pick, and uh, I think they probably considered taking him. But they liked Marcus Williams so much to end up with both of them was was incredible. But I, I don't know who that would be. But I mean, again, when we talk about quarterbacks. I think if they're going to draft, if they do wind up drafting one, I think that would be the range where they do it, um, and where the value might be there. And I think there's a couple of interesting guys like Kyle Laletta, uh from Richmond and uh, Luke Fox, who I was impressed with at the Senior Bowl from Washington State. So I think that'll add some intrigue to the middle rounds of the draft when 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 they all of a sudden start to have a bunch of picks. So. All right, finally, the mock drafts will be thrown away tomorrow, and we can get down to the brass taxes as the Saints will pick. Number 27, of course, Mike Triplett will have you covered 
for ESPN.com. Mike, I appreciate it. Will we see you for game two of the Pelicans? Or are you all Saints right now? Or round two, I should say, for the Pelicans. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like it's going to work out. That I'll be done with my draft coverage. Uh, it's plenty of time. It's like they're purposely waiting for me to like come back for game three in, uh, in the Smoothie Center. <laughs> the Bo Jackson of covering professional sports here in New Orleans. That's Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. Mike, enjoy the NFL draft, and then we'll talk to you come Pelicans time. All right, thank you. All right, Daniel, Mike, thank you very much. We're looking forward, of course, to the start of the draft. It's finally here, uh, and then uh, we'll track that throughout the weekend. That means no black and blue report on Friday for you. Uh, we'll have special coverage, as I mentioned, on NewOrleansSaints.com. There's going to be tons of Pelicans Warriors coverage uh, at Pelicans.com. So keep those things in mind. Just know that we won't have kind of our usual Friday black and blue report podcast for you. We will come back with that. It appears on Monday and, and probably from the West Coast, right? Yes, because we'll still be out there for game two upcoming against the Golden State Warriors. Again, tip-off time, as we know it right now, Saturday night, 9.30 Central between the Pelicans and the Warriors. Uh, draft coverage tomorrow night begins at 5 p.m. Central time on NewOrleansSaints.com. So, with that being said, plenty, plenty to take in. If you like golf, you got that going on over in Avondale as well. So, lots going on here in New Orleans over the next couple of days. That'll do it for us. Thanks again to David Wesley for stopping by. Also, Mike Triplett uh, with Daniel Salerson. I'm Sean Kelly. Tomorrow we'll be traveling to the West Coast, and that's where we'll talk to you next time here on the Black and Blue Report.